Welcome to Collector's Corner, the premier digital art platform. We help collectors gain and maintain their edge, all while appreciating beautiful art. Let's jump in. Well, maybe, maybe we should start in the recap. I mean, I'm going to publish this so folks can hear what our thoughts were. And, and I know James wasn't there, so he'd probably be interested in hearing how it went. Um, yeah, man, do you want to... Should we do uh, highlights and lowlights? Kick it off with that. Yeah. Um, do you want to start? You want me to yeah. start? I can start. I can start. Highlights. So, man, so many highlights. Um, it, it obviously comes down to the people, the overblown word community, which I say overblown, it's used a lot, but I think it's really legitimate. Um, this time it was really great to see people that we had met last time and just felt like the ability to see people and run into them is just, uh, you know, hundred X compared to NFT NYC or art Basel. So similar to those events, there's a lot of people I knew going that I wanted to see, but this time I actually could see most of them and spend like real quality time with them. I think it's the value of Marfa. You don't waste time commuting. Uh, well, <laughs> You waste time getting there, uh, but once you're there, there's no commuting. You know, there's a lot of free food, a lot of communal spaces. Everything's walking distance. Uh, uh, clear highlight to me, and got to meet some awesome people. You know, shout out to Rosenbaum for some introductions. Really cool people, uh, and just feeling really energized about the space from it. Uh, low lights. <laughs> um, probably the drive home was one. It was kind of rough. It's my own fault. Um, and then the other low light I would say is, uh, man, I, I feel like I kind of missed that dive in the most likes event. I, I wish we'd gone a little bit earlier. Um, but I know it was right at the end and, and tired and, and obviously mi missing the mint was a low light, but I mean, I'm not like super upset about that. What about you? I think for me, the highlight is clearly the community. I think that, you know, the, the involvement, the liveliness in a bear just the really open discussions around the space where it's going, whether it means the space in general, the space as an art blocks, the space as an, an artist, you know, it was, you know, the amount of like really deep and meaningful conversations and accessibility to really anybody that you are inclined to connect to was all, it was very inspiring to me. You know, one of my highlights was, you know, we literally sat down at a table to have coffee and, and you know, across from it was JDH, uh, you know, just a voice that I recognized and to be able to speak with him for some period of time. Um, just hanging out in all the different arenas to me was just a... Uh... And then, you know, another highlight for me is, is really the integration of Glitch into that community. Derek's doing some good work, but uh, not only, like, support generative art, but to tackle all the different corners of art in general, like a gallery should be doing, I thought was very impressive. You know, obviously there's like, they kicked it off with the grand Hune. They ended it with a die with most likes. And there were just some really incredible panels all along the way. Uh, a low, low, low light for me was uh, more of a lesson learned. Just freaking mint everything. <laughs> You're on a different spaces, and I heard you uh, kind of joke about, you know, I too did not mint uh, die with the most likes piece. I when I when I pulled up the page, there was like two or three hundred pieces remaining. I figure I get it the next day. 
but uh, we and we didn't do Marfa Yuka last year, and it was like all these different things are available and no cost. There's no admission, you know. So it's like if you're there, you should be partaking in it, and not just from a financial perspective, but just from a a community support. It's just art to me is thriving, and that's what I walked away from it. The, our bags may not be up, but overall, art is thriving, and people have a vested and deep interest in art. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the dive, the most likes thing, really quickly, uh, and, and why I didn't end up minting it. So, it, you know, we got there a little bit late. Whatever, we're standing outside. The glitch gallery is pretty small, right? And and maybe it has a capacity of like a hundred or something like that. And that's like it's packed with a hundred people. So a lot of people spill over outside. And some guy comes out and is like, "Hey, I don't know if you guys know, but in the corner of our room, there's a glory hole there." And if you pull out the right ticket, you know, there's 13 like physicals, one of ones that are being given away for the, the beef prof goes. So everyone rushes in to try to win one of these like third or seven had been picked. So there's six remaining. And I reach into the glory hole thing. It's just like whatever, like a paper mache. Uh, <laughs> it's for your hand right? you put your hand in this glory hole um, and you you pull out one of these and. I didn't win, right? So I was like, oh, okay, fine, whatever. And, and all the losers, like the non-winning tickets, had a QR code, and mine was all wet, like somebody had spilled beer on it. <laughs> I was like, I was like, uh, whatever. And it was like a point oh three something mint, and I was like, hey, you know, fine, whatever. Like I, I just honestly didn't think too much of it. And you know, now now that's it's mooning, and so yes, mint everything you can in Marfa because you, you know one of those is probably going to pay for your trip if you if you do it properly. Um, but, uh, you know, Dick, uh, by the way, vegan, thanks for joining all. I'll invite you to speak. Uh, and if anybody wants to speak, just like, feel free to, to, to raise their hand. Vegan is a, a friend we met out there. Uh, but go ahead, Jared. Yeah. I, haven't, I didn't partake a ton in this, but the Marfa mesh, which for anybody not was a highlight for me. Anybody not familiar with it was, you know, this was Harvey Rayner's almost like social engagement project. You know, I thought it was a really cool way to, to break the ice. Some people are gamifying it, just trying to scan as much as possible to get a ton of uh, pieces in there. Others were, you know, like me, experiencing a little bit of technical difficulties, so I have a minimalist type approach. But overall, I thought, like, Harvey is, you know, continuing to push the boundaries of some, you know, an artist who is going to experiment with different mechanics and it was really cool to take this live data and integrate it through, you know, Harvey's typical algorithm and produces really wild and unique pieces. So, you know, th that to me, if, you know, for, if we're really taking a step back and focusing on art, I think it was innovative and, you know, for art blocks, putting that all together free of charge for everybody to participate in, I thought was a really, really cool gesture. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and thanks for hopping up, Toth and, and Rosenbaum. Uh, actually, I have a question for you, Vegan. Uh, you know, I know this was your first Marfa. 70% uh, of people, this was their first time showing up. So the numbers we heard, about 600 people, 70% uh, of them were the first timers. So let's just call it two-thirds to make the math easy. 200 returners. I think there were around 300 people last year, maybe. So maybe two-thirds returned, and then we had another so 200 return, another 400 show up. Uh, and one thing that we talked about a lot in these art spaces, and the reason why I want to call out Vegan here is, you know, Vegan is his first time. I know you are an art collector, Vegan, but I, from my perception, you spend more of your time 
uh, outside of the art world, still within NFTs, but not as necessarily uh, what you talk about. Your, your crew is not necessarily always the art crew. Uh, if that's true, and please correct me if it's wrong, how does your crew feel about art now afterwards, right? Uh, having been to Marfa, I'm just curious if you think that we're going to get some new collectors here uh, through that experience. Yeah, totally. Yeah, the way well, I always think about it. I came into like I guess NFTs and all this stuff has always been like a collectible art nerd. It's just art where you couldn't buy collectibles. You could collect. I can collect sneakers. I cannot collect a Rothko. But then all of a sudden, Web three, you find it, and all of a sudden, there's beef Rothkos, and you're like, yes, I can collect. So art is what like first interested me in the space, and that's like the first money I made. I spent on art blocks right away, and art blocks was my actual original crew. We used to mint art blocks back in the day when you would just go on the site. They'd be cheap. You'd mint one. You go, ooh, let me do another. Ooh, I like that one. Let's see a good output. Okay, I think I'm done. Let me go to another, you know, gotcha machine. And um, it's like that was where we started. And then as metas change, because I like I just tell stories. I host live events. We have to talk about new stuff. You just follow where things go. And then all of a sudden, it's from, you know, PFPs into GameFi into fashion into which I just love following all of those things. And so I feel like along the way, like art is the start of all of this world that I'm, I feel like we're in. But then, like, all the other places you're taking through, you pick up people along the way, and some of them like art more than others. Some, you know, you, you see people all the time. They come in from DeFi, and then they say, whoa, this art stuff is super interesting. This becomes more, you know, part of my personality. Maybe not 100%, but part of it. So I think everyone who did come who was more focused on trading or collecting before outside of art, they're definitely way hyped. And I think they're hyped because they got to interact with people, and it wasn't, like, pretentious, right? So a lot of us got actually... You know, the artists weren't pretentious. Snowfro's not pretentious. We're all hanging out and, you know, really interacting with, you know, about our lives and all this other stuff. So I think that makes everyone really bullish because there's a lot of fear, I think. And I, he I heard this from a ton of people before. Like, I, I don't know enough about they're going to quiz me on art blocks. I don't know enough. I've I got to study my squiggles before I show, which that's cool. I think it's a good idea. But it's like it's not that, you know, you know, what, what do you call it? Like sn snobby. Right. Art is fun. Art is wacky. Art is about like, you know, the Harvey Rayner thing was a super fun, interactive social thing. That's exactly what all these NFT people are trying to figure out. Uh, you know, obviously die with the most likes is like pure hilarious degeneracy. That could have been a Goblin Town party. That's like better than a Goblin Town party. Right. So I think showing people that these worlds are similar is definitely helpful. I mean, I think if you go there and aren't more bullish on art and artists, like you must have stayed in your room. Like, how did you you didn't interact with it? Rant over. Yeah, no, that, that's actually a really great perspective. Uh, by the way, another highlight was getting to know Vegan a little bit more here. Your insights are actually really, really incredible. I really enjoyed getting to, to know you. And there, it's a very deep thought from a very unbiased perspective. But, I mean, think about this. There's not only your traditional art from a generative art perspective there. There's Grant Yoon, one of one, maybe a little bit more serious, you know, piece of selling for 40 to 60 ETH. And then, like you said, Die With The Most Likes, who... It was just a comedic shit show and watching people come out of the, the pawn shop with like different pieces and the amount of enthusiasm. It really gave me a different perspective on the appreciation of the art, not my particular aesthetic, but man, I really do respect the, the community and the engagement that's being curated around uh, his art. You know, I think one thing that you hear a lot of people, it's funny, I thought I came up with the original idea. You know, I'm on the way back home, I'm reflecting, and I'm like, man, it's like the burning man of generative art. And then everyone's like, well, everyone says, and I'm like, damn it, I thought that was, I was original. Uh, but like one thing that made me actually feel that way is this idea of like creating your own world. And that's the cool thing about art blocks, going to Marfa and having this house and having this space. And it's like, boom, they have their, they've created, the, you're, you go out there, there's art on the walls, 
the vibes are like curated by art blocks. It feels like it feels like there's, it's not pretentious. Like stay out of stay out of here. What's going on? Who are you? And boom, they have their own little world that you can just step into in the middle of the desert and see something. Guy with the most likes makes his own little world within the little world, and like that feels very very Burning Man. And I I think that I just I want to see every single event party anything figure out more ways of getting us out of our comfort zone, making us interact with the art in weird ways, you know, giving us something to talk about. And so I think there's a lot of that there. Yeah, I mean, talking about like within your own worlds, like even within Marfa, in my mind, this was an old, an old world, our own world. There's a guy there who is like a blockchain dev or something. His name's Robe or, or Rob. I don't know what his real name is. He goes by Robe. He's got a house there. He lives in Marfa three nights in a row. Um, he invites people over there. The first night was kind of small. It's two acre lot. He's got a big barn in the backyard. And it's just like everyone went there the second night and the third night too, I heard. I, we weren't there, unfortunately. But um, yeah, it, it was just like there's something about being there that makes you open up and not really care who the person is. Like I should say, not really care about the background of the person you're talking to. It's like you're there for art and you know Web3 and nothing else really matters. And I'd say like 95% of people have that attitude. There are a few people who are a little still like higher than thou, in my opinion, out there. Um, but I, I feel like that gets outed pretty quickly. Like you can tell who those people are and you're just like, okay, it's obvious because most people are not like that and don't have their guard up. Um, so it, it's just a really, really cool place and a really cool vibe from that standpoint. And I, I know the title here says Marfa Recap Vibes, Trends and More. Um, probably you guys have heard the vibes like ad nauseum from the people who were there. Like we, we really enjoyed it, right? We really enjoyed like meeting each other and hanging out there uh, and getting that experience. And one thing I'll say, like, you know, I'll, I'll put it out there, um, whatever. I know a lot of people don't like talk about this, but uh, you know, like I, I like to smoke some weed sometimes and uh, people just handing out for free. Hey, you want some cool, no, like no problems. You know, there are some other extracurriculars that we won't get into, but Nobody was asking for anything, you know? It was just straight up, hey, like, you want some? Great. No, like, like everyone was just giving, right? You, you, it was better to share and build your community group than to hoard stuff for yourself. Uh, and, like, totally. that, that to me was awesome. Um, across the board, whatever it was, Alpha. Um, I mean, like, Jared, so we're sitting there talking to, to JDH. And, and, like, you guys don't know who JDH is. He was, like, one of the early Artblox investors, like, Flamingo Dow. Um, really, really smart businessman, really smart guy. Uh, and yeah, it's, it doesn't matter. We t- chatted with some Flamingo Dow folks. So uh, anyways, I'm rambling. Rosenbaum, you're, you're up here. Uh, any thoughts on uh, the vibes and also what some of your non-art friends are now thinking about? Art? Are, are people going to come buy your bags, Rosenbaum? <laughs> well, we might need the bull run to reinvigorate for people to buy the bags, but we've got a lot of people now in line waiting for their bags for their for their crypto bags you fill and i can guarantee you they'll be uh, buying some art blocks no but i will say um <clears throat> yeah it's fun to see so many non art blocks people come out um in reference to your earlier statement with two-thirds of the people being new you know because i also helped bring a lot of new people i was a little skeptical on what that was going to translate into and actually talking to jared about this in the last day you know, I think I came to the conclusion that the majority of these new people that showed up are actually long-standing art blocks collectors and community members that it's just been very difficult for them to travel to Marfa, whether it's because they have a family, they own a business that they're day-to-day with, or they live in another country. But the fact remains that they are long-standing 
community members and they're feeling like they're missing out. So like, you know what, this third year, it's finally time to make it to Marfa. Cause almost everybody that I had talked to that was a first timer outside of our group was longstanding collectors with some of the biggest art blocks bags in the space. So I thought that was really neat. It was fun to connect with these guys that, you know, we've been talking to in Graylersdale and block talk over the last few years and getting to see them face to face. And I guess on another note to that, <clears throat> when we're talking about this not being a pretentious environment, that couldn't be more true. You know, our blocks, there, there's no ticket to enter Marfa. Your ticket to attend Marfa is simply getting there. Getting there is obviously not the easiest thing in the world. You've got to fly into Texas, you know, whether it's Midland or El Paso. But from there, you've got a good three-hour drive to get to Marfa. But once you're there, everybody's on the same playing field. Everybody's um, – no one's greater than the other. You know, there's no ticket to get in. There's no token gating to attend any events. You know, everyone can attend and, and, and eat whatever is offered and, you know, participate however they like. And the funniest thing is, and this is what's actually taught me not to prejudge people in Web3. You know, we all want to go talk to the smartest guy in the room or we want to learn from the best collector or we want to talk to the most famous artist uh, a lot of times. And, you know, what I realized is prejudging people never works out, especially in a place like Marvin, because you don't know if you're standing next to somebody who's a founder of Flamingo Dow or whether they just showed up because they're curious about what's happening in our blocks. Um, everybody is willing to chat, talk, and uh, I just think it's a very unique environment in Web3 that you really can't find anywhere else in this space from my personal experience. And I've been around for about five years. You know, yeah. so I might not know like exactly like, you know, if this is all true, but I guess right when I got there, my perspective also, I, I was being bad, I guess. Uh, there was an Art Blocks employee party and I'm just like, I'm just going to walk up. I see Rosenbaum. He's my friend. He'll let me in. He's talking to Snowfro. And I'm like, oh, God, that's, he knows I'm not an employee. Uh, but you're right. Snowfro is just, you know, so cool, so relaxed, awesome. It was all good, fun. And then throughout the weekend, you see Snowfro interacting with everyone, being super positive, being like just, you know, on the streets. He's on, he's interacting with the people. And I feel like that makes it look to me, I'm like, the person on top is doing that. That's what makes everyone else do it. And that is my experience. I mean, all our Fox employees are like super awesome and nice and like good vibes. They're all chill, if that makes sense. You know, even if they're like stressed about work or something like that, they're all like, I don't know, like down to earth, it feels like. And I feel like it starts with Snowfro and we're just seeing it demonstrated. And it just, yeah, I was, I was super impressed. You know what I mean? I've never been around him that much. You know, he's a star. And I'm like, oh my God, every single, he's always smiling. He's always talking to someone new. People are pulling him around and he's okay. And yeah, that's all. Yeah. I, I mean, he, he definitely sets the tone like from, from, from top to bottom. And I mean, to some extent, even for generative art, right? Not just like the Artbox employees. 100% agree. The only other thing I want to add is like you, you meet people who are just so interesting and good at so many things, right? Like like Rosenbaum is you know amazing at connecting folks. Uh, same with Dirtis, who's down here listening as well. Uh, Vegan, like I'd tell you, is like I I feel like you're like the best live host show or live show host out here. Like I was <laughs> listening to your spaces yesterday. I was like I don't, I don't think I could ever be as entertaining. Like I'm too dry and too flat. Like if you want a sarcastic like show, like I could do that, but you know, you bring the, the energy of Entering, who's up here on stage with us. Uh, I mean, he's like one of the nicest people I've met. He's like driving everyone around. He's got like a huge van, uh, party van going like, uh, I, in my mind, you're driving all the way back to LA and that I know is probably just, uh, <laughs> just to El Paso. Um, but 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's, you just meet so many like really cool and interesting people out there. So certainly the vibes. Um, I want to I want to talk a little bit of trends here though, because we have a lot of folks who were well. Actually, before that, I want to get to you eventually. But Toth, you were up here. Um, I would just love to hear your thoughts if you have any as someone who, who was not able to make it to Marfa, um, but a, a big collector and, and Toth's been our community like forever from the beginning. So yeah, just like curious to hear your thoughts or if you also have any questions. For folks who are yeah. there. what's up guys and uh i'm just glad to hear that that next time I'm, I'm gonna try to make it next year i didn't realize the weed was free so that that's just fantastic um but but uh honestly my big takeaway i mean clearly die with most likes was the story of marfa from an outsider's perspective just just looking at what was trending on twitter and all that kind of stuff and i've always liked him i've always thought his stuff was pretty interesting but i never had a time to really take a, a step back and try to understand what he's accomplishing. And, I, and I'd, I'd encourage everyone to listen to the, the interview he did on 100 Proof last week. Really, he's, he's a really intelligent guy. And I think what he does, I, I've really kind of been putting thought into his work. And I, I, got, I got a couple of beef broth goes on, on secondary and got some of the FX hash stuff as well. Um, but I, I think what he does is kind of a combination of performance art and social commentary. And, and I think it's, you know, in a, in a sense, similar to maybe what Beeple does. Um, but I think this is a really hard thing to do, and very few people are able to do this in a non-cynical and you know judgmental way. Because I kind of like I've always kind of been turned off by, by pop art because I think the artist is almost separating themselves from the the culture that they're kind of making commentary on. And I think what Die really does well is is he says. No, I'm a part of this culture. You know, I, I, I love going to Ponderosa for the uh, all-you-can-eat buffet and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'm drinking four locos all weekend. You know, I, I think it's actually a really hard balance to strike. And I think he does a brilliant job of it. I think this re like his work has staying power because I think, you no, know, to, to whatever level you can relate to it, you know, especially as an American, you know, it's a lot of a lot of American, like middle America kind of culture that a lot of us grew up with. Every one of us that grew up here and, and maybe a lot that didn't have have some sort of a stake in that and have, have experienced, you know, one of those, you know, one of those types of restaurants or or things that he's talking about. And I just I think it really has staying power. I think I think people like him are, are really interesting in the long run because it's it's exceptionally hard to do that effectively, what, what he's doing. So I, I, I thought it was it was really compelling to get a chance to, to really take a deeper dive on, on die. Uh, that that was really interesting. The only question I have for you guys, though, um, if, you know, obviously talk about die as much as you want, but uh, I was curious about the the Harvey project. I wasn't really exactly. Um, I, I didn't know what Harvey Rayner did with that project. Just kind of curious to, to to see what everyone's experience was with that. So there was like a um, almost like a I'm looking at it like a card, like you almost like an access card. I, I hate to say RFID, but they like you swipe to get into an office building, and that was on a lanyard. And you'd have to download, it's called the Marfa Mesh app. And the app would recognize on your phone each individual card or each individual unique user and prompt to take a picture. So like one day I took, I wore an obnoxiously like bright blue pants. And so people would take a picture of the pants and it would generate a piece of the overall art. So almost like a little, a dot a data dot I'm, I'm not doing it justice and harvey's probably gonna slap me upside the head for for this description but 
for every person that you scanned, you could only do it once. You would then take a picture that was representative of them. So some people did selfies. Some people took um, pictures, like I said, of my pants. And the colors that were in that picture would, you know, go through Harvey's algorithm to create these dots. And the more, and then also embedded in there was like some location, geolocation stipulated data. So the where the dots got placed on the art were all relative to where you were in Marfa. So you, what essentially happens is through your social engagement, you get this collage of different colors based on pictures in a dot arrangement that's based on your location. And all of that gets amalgamated into one piece of art. Yeah, and, and w one other feature on that is if you when you took one of these pictures at night, it would turn the, the background dark. Uh, I think there was only like a night and a day mode from, from what I remember. Damn. I think it was night and day mode and 11 zones, I think, is what it was. Yeah, yeah. The, the zones uh, corresponded to the different like number of vertical stripes you could have. So if you – there were 11 different geolocations. If you hit all of those, you would get 11 vertical stripes with different colors on your, your piece. I think I only get like three or four, to be honest. I, I got kind of – got kind of lazy about it i almost need it to be like one tap and then it's done instead of like all the clicking on the phone um yeah yeah go ahead Rizmo. yeah i was pretty lazy with it too i mean obviously the first day i was out there scanning everybody taking pictures but then you know you start getting to talking but i will say i thought the idea was absolutely genius and such a phenomenal icebreaker for conference attendees or you know i hate to call martha a conference but you know, whenever there's a get together and, and, and everybody's strangers or most of the people are strangers, I, I really think this was such a unique icebreaker tool to get people to interact, to talk and to get to know each other. So shout out to Harvey and whoever helped him develop that, because uh, I bet you that we could see that become a trend at uh, events like this. So cool. Yeah, yeah, uh, totally. And um, I, I want to. Uh... Speaking of trends, I, I'm, I'm just curious to – it's something that's been on my mind, and I want to get Aventurine up here too. So Aventurine is, is part of the NIAM DCC team. And, you know, I know G Money is like a, a huge art blocks collector. Um, we got to meet Frank D. Gods. He, he came in from the LA crew. Sounds like he's an art blocks collector. Um, and, you know, I'm just wondering, like, these guys are sort of the heads of these, like, massive organizations. And Zeneca, who was there as well – um, or kind of like the leaders of these big communities, if you will. And it, just, I, it doesn't seem like to me that a lot of folks in their communities are collecting art. So I, I'm curious, eventually, like, is that, is that correct? If, if you're able to comment on that within like the 9DCC community? And what do you think it'll take to bridge? Because I don't know, I, I just, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, it seems like D-God's community they really love frank and if frank starts saying hey like here's here you can learn about art blocks and here's like how you can collect some art i feel like they could convert a bunch of people over they just it's intimidating because there's so much behind it but i'm wondering like why hasn't that happened yet or maybe i'm missing something so anyways i'd love to hear your thoughts on that adventuring and then anything else of course about the weekend that you want to talk about yeah yeah for sure yeah and i think uh it's it, that's an interesting topic because uh, i think this is the problem you know across the whole space i mean when you kind of just deep dive into the numbers a little bit, I mean, we're still deep, deep, deep in this like bear market. So it's pretty interesting to like look around this weekend at Marfa and just see like hundreds of people, you know, everywhere walking around, you know, you have like Rolling Stone pushing articles that, you know, 
NFTs are dead. 99% of NFTs are down. And, uh, but then you like go to a panel in Marfa and there's like 400 people in a room and there's like almost no seats open to sit there and like watch what's going on. But, uh, this whole topic of like people collecting art, I mean, I think, you know, it's just one of those things that, uh, in, in the type of market that we're in, you know, if, if things aren't priced really, really, really low, uh, nobody's like participating in anything right now. So it seems, uh, things have kind of split up where, you know, you have the like art collectors, the art blocks collectors that are still, you know, slowly collecting and doing their own thing. And then you have, uh, community members that th that type of art is still, a little bit out of reach. So what I thought has been interesting uh, during this bear market is, is actually the um, like prohibition coming into the market. And I think like that has uh, really sort of helped push, um, you know, people who wouldn't usually uh, collect art, start collecting art. I mean, I think at this point when it comes to like the art and craft, um, the um yeah the heart and craft that had recently released i mean i think it's at a point zero one price point and i think they just crossed like twenty seven thousand mints and i'm not sure like how many uh unique people actually minted a heart and craft but i mean it just it just goes to show that um at the current point in time i mean these like higher price point artworks are like really hard to get out there into the general public but it, it was really cool seeing people like frank come out i, I mean he also had uh, people like Thread Guy and Leap make their way out there as well. And, um, you know, I think this, it's just going to be one of those things that, you know, these uh, founders of big projects and stuff like that, I think is their community members start seeing, you know, them out there at these events. It'll help push the community to look a little bit farther than, uh, you know, just what they're doing, like within a PFP type of project. So, you know, I'm, it'll be interesting to see what happens next year. Um, you know, in a way, I'm actually a teeny bit worried um, because, you know, I think like as more and more people are seeing what's going on, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the number gets pushed from 600 to like almost a thousand people next year. And it'll be interesting to see like what happens when, you know, you get a thousand people going to this small town because what's interesting. And I think what's so special about Marfa is that most events throughout the year, I mean, all these really big conventions, NFT NYC, uh, NFT LA, the blockchain events, uh, Korea, like all, uh, even our Basel, I mean, all these different locations are in these gigantic cities and all the events are spread over such a wide area. Like people don't end up crossing paths with each, with each other. And I actually think that this is also what's kind of special about something like VCon, uh, which Gary V has done, I think, twice now. Um, and, you know, with that one, you're in like a stadium. So what's kind of interesting, sort of the same dynamic as Marfa, is you end up almost seeing every single person that attends out there um, over that couple of day period. And I think that's what's so special about being able to network people and meet with people is that it's not it's not token gated. Like the biggest artists, the biggest founders are walking around, you know, like just like Rosenbaum said with like everybody else. Um, so, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what, what happens next year. I mean, like who knows, but 
Uh, I know for me, Marfa is always like one of the most special things. I always tell people that if I had, if I, if I had a choice of going to like one thing throughout the entire year, it would definitely be Marfa. So uh, that's, that's what I got on that. Uh, that's amazing. Um, to- totally agree with everything you're saying. And, and you know, your point about the, the community, um, you know, people being price sensitive, like I, I, I totally get that. And it's something I think about a lot because, uh, you know, one of the first guests that we had when we were really small was Zeneca and he's a huge deal. He's like, yeah, of course, I love art blocks. I'll be on there. And we were also a little bit like, not sure why he didn't seem to talk about our blocks. Oh, I guess he does talk about it with his community, but but why that wasn't translating as much. Um, but I, I'll, I'll put that topic aside. Uh, maybe we'll come well, back. Hey, I, got my, I got a couple yeah, extra quick uh, opinions. Yeah, cause, yeah, you know, I, I've been thinking about this a lot too. Like, you know, I, I'm in a bunch of different communities. I definitely am like, I'm pretty hyped up on arts. When people talk to me, I end up like selling them on some stuff. And so when I see different people's reactions, and I feel like one thing that art blocks has, like, well, not just art blocks, but art in general. Is what are the crossover points that the different communities make? So, for instance, 90C is a good example where we see a lot of people who are 90CC who are big art blocks collectors. I sold tons of tons of hats this weekend and shirts this weekend. Uh, you're also at people who are just like DJs, fashion people. You know what I mean? People like a bunch of Clonex people are going to wear it, right? Uh, a bunch of you know apes are going to wear it. And those are like different communities. And it's like what we need to see is like what is the biggest branding of art blocks? It's really like a squiggle. So it's like when you do the squiggle 90CC hat, then a bunch of people go, oh cool, oh you got to I can. You get special ones if you have a squiggle. Oh, whoa, that's a huge flex. That makes more sense to me. Well, let me learn more about squiggles. Like we saw it a bunch in streetwear where there's like a brand like Supreme who's, you know, been around for, since 94. And for a while there, they would do collabs with like brands that were like, you know, way more expensive, way crazier than them. And then it's your first chance to get a hold of like Visvum. When they did their first Visvum collab, it's like, I remember being like, yeah, Visvum is the most expensive stuff on earth. I can't afford it. It's for rich people. I'm like, oh, but this is a Supreme hat. It's a little cheaper version. Cool. And then you get your first piece and you start you know, diving deeper into that, you know, more high-end world. I think the same thing just has to happen between like, I don't know, it's like, could be parties, could be collaborations between merch, doesn't have to be selling gen art, but, you know, D-Gods will understand, like that crew will understand like, you know, a 90cc squiggle hat is like probably a giant flex. So that's all. No, that that makes a lot of sense. And, and I see what you're saying. It needs to be just like a, a crossover. They will immediately get turned on to art and i guess the challenge with squiggle is that they're so expensive but that gives me some hopium for my uh, my, my friendship bracelet bags which you know a lot more affordable folks. But think about right now where they've uh solid they've you know taken a squiggle and there is a fake squiggle that is the logo squiggle and then there's all the real ones so if you could just do it easy it's a 90 cc hat everyone get the logo squiggle and if you have a squiggle we do a custom one with your squiggle and so every time you see someone with a fat or a fuzzy or a whatever, you're just like, ooh, hot damn, what's, oh, that's your squiggle. It's like, and then people still feel like part of the crew if you have the logo square, because that's still fire, so, you know. Oh, man, I love that. I love that. They, they got to get you advising on there, man. Uh, yeah, set up a well, call with you, Money Venturing. Let's talk, sorry. Uh, <laughs> not, not if you're going to call it fake. Uh, uh, I would call it a variance there. Sir. Okay, okay, okay. A fake maybe's not the word. The, 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 the prototypical, right? Or there's there's some word for this. Like the archetype. Archetypical, maybe? It's like, is Mewtwo really a Pokemon? He was created at artificial lab. I don't know. It's same with this type of squiggle. I don't know. Oh, man. I don't, don't want to embarrassingly reveal It's actually called the little, little Squig. It's called the Lil Squig is what it's called. Wait, wait. Is it Lil or Little? Lil. Lil Squig. Okay, that's good. That's as better. far as I understand, that's how I've always heard it referred to as. There we go. Rosenbaum with the, the alpha. Well, hey, Xerox Poppy, I wanted to give you the chance. To, thanks for coming up on stage. What's up, guys? Just uh, listening in. 
Uh, and uh, what you guys talking about earlier with the mesh card, I think it's pretty cool too, especially me that I do marketing. I think it was a brilliant idea. Um, good icebreaker, like um, I think Rose mentioned earlier. That's, uh, I met, uh, I think it was uh, begging about <laughs> the first day. We were, I was just chilling. I had just got out of my car. And I was like, what's up, bro? He came to me and to, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, the, the guy that is an actor for Hollywood for the Netflix Troy. Troy, yeah, and then he's like, what's up, guys? You guys talking about a possible debate on the whole Squiggles thing? I, I, no, it was the Ordinals thing. I'm like, oh, what's up, bro? And then we tapped. And, but I, I think it, it was a good experience, um, different than other conferences I got to. More tight-knit, especially because the, the place is pretty small, but it was good. What, was it your first time? Yeah, tomorrow it was. Um, and it was interesting because, I mean, it was only – I live in El Paso, so it was so close to where I'm at, and it was the first time I drive over there, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember I met you. You're, you're from Juarez, right? Uh, no, I'm from El Paso. I, ha- I was the one that collected all the pins from the from the little machine with the quarters. Oh, sick, sick. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, it... You were the I, one that took all the pins from me. You know, I didn't get one either. That DCA drop was pretty dope. Well, uh, that that's awesome. That's awesome, Poppy. And uh, I, I'm glad you made it out. I'm curious, like, were you an art collector before uh, coming out? Uh, I mean, I, I've had some pieces I just bought in the early days as a degen. But, like, I had told many people, like, I've never been into art prior to NFTs. And over time, I've slowly gotten, like, a little bit more of a taste towards art. This, um, the main reason why, when I went to medical school, uh, the only class that I ever felt pre uh, undergraduate was art class. So I kind of always had like a, uh, I hate art type of thing. But over time, like just getting to notice how these artists, uh, um, either the curator artists or regular artists doing generated art, like the amount of time and effort that comes into it and the different intricities into the art, it's made it very interesting to see and value the art that's displayed. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Uh, Loki flex there in the mid school, also, which also pretty awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, man. I, so I, I had a lot of other topics. Uh, Jared, you were about to say something. That I'll, I'll let you go. Well, I was going to try to take. I was a uh, a Grant Union advisor over here. Uh, what Poppy's doing? All these med school students getting early to NFTs. I was going to take the conversation to a left turn, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. Please, I wanted to. Well, yeah, I have some thoughts too. But you, you go ahead. Well, the, the the one I wanted to ask, I mean, there's some obvious ones that everybody's talking about, but what I what I wanted to hear from some of the people up on the panel was like, what what did you connect with that maybe no one's talking about? And and I'm not just saying this because Sam's out in the crowd, but for me, it was the the advocacy and the brilliance of the Squiggle Down and just how they brought their merch game strong. I mean, my whole floor is littered with uh, Squiggle Down stuff. Uh, and I think that like that space for for like advocacy is uh is pretty impressive. And I'm just curious: is did anybody else have an observation of like something maybe nobody's talking about, but you know had a deep resonance with you, just to give it some space to to shine a little bit? I mean, I think I'll I think I'll jump in real quick if that's all right. Because um, I mean, it it goes along the same lines of what you're talking about, and I really think it is. Um, interesting to see like how much uh, people are more pushing into this like physical 
realm. I mean, um, last year they did not have like this uh, big building where they had a bunch of artists that were doing almost like their own little activations. And it was cool to see, um, you know, jumping into a big room, like people with like embroidery machines, people with uh, uh, like plotters out there and like a lot of um, like different merch and, uh, you know, people were talking a lot about uh, generative physicals. So it was like really cool to like see um, that there's been this, big kind of shift over the last year into like artists wanting to do a lot of stuff in the physical realm. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Uh, tough. Go ahead. Not to, if we want to take this as a, as a sidebar after, but I, I'd love to get people's takes on what they think about, um, just physicals in general to that point, you know, I, I, th I think that, you know, it's, it's been, it's been interesting to, you know, there's not really a way to sell it on secondary and we've hyper-financialized art to a certain extent with on-chain stuff. But uh, if, if, if we want to, you know, pass it around to the, uh, to, to, uh, to answer Jared's specific question first, but I, I'd love to, 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 to come back to the, uh, the question of physicals and, you know, purely from a, from a, you know, financial perspective and ability to trade, you know, without, you know, real, real life galleries that we're all not, not popping into for NF, for NFT based art. So anyway, just wanted to throw that out there as another topic. Yeah, absolutely. I'll oh, go ahead. B. I was gonna say, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I like collecting physical art too, as well as digital stuff. And I think it's interesting of like, you know, the art doesn't always have to attach to an actual, you know, token. So I think that's actually a good thing. I like how there's, here's a beef broth code. No, it's not backed by a token. No, it's not. No, it's a piece of art. Right. And I think it's cool to do stuff where you do actually link those two worlds. And like, even like the Harvey Rayner is like, do we think those, the, your tag actually has value in it now? Maybe it does. You got to, you know, put that in some nice glass too. But I think it's just cool for artists to be dropping physicals that are like simpler for friends. Like, like like, I feel like a lot of artists gave out art this week and it is physicals by them and it's important because you interact with them and it's not these giant huge one-off pieces and those are like beautiful things to add to our collections because they're you know they're stories they all have memories it's not I went into a gallery and I go oh I can only afford the smallest die with the most likes it's like no I traded a case of monster energy drink and I got this this physical here and you can't get it because you have to be at these weird things so I really liked it I liked how loose it was I like how people weren't like selling all the physicals too people were like acquiring them in different ways so just general thoughts yeah, absolutely agree with it, and and I have some more thoughts too. But eventually, you're you guys are the masters of physical yeah. NFTs at DCC. Yeah, I mean, this is just like a, like such a cool topic because um, you know, for those that didn't know, those Marfa Mesh cards were actually powered by IYK, uh, who's also the same NFC company that Ninety CC uses, and all of. Um, our products as well. And um, I think one of the main issues that's always gone on between this bridge of the physical and digital is that uh, nobody's really been able to solve until now. And I'll really try hard not to chill too hard on this, but nobody's uh, really fixed the issue of being able to marry the digital with the physical. And from my knowledge of what I know now, IYK is the only company that's really been able to do that with their NFC technology. Uh, the main problem has always been a lot of people create physical art and then they create this digital token, uh, but that token could be freely traded, transferred, stolen. Um, and then you have this break where 
that digital is no longer with the physical anymore. But what's interesting about uh, what's being done with these IYK chips is that it's it's not soul bound. It's actually chip bound within the physical. So the only way to claim that uh, that digital representation of the physical is by tapping the physical chip on the artwork itself. So, I mean, it goes beyond um, just like what we're doing with 90CC. Uh, Tyler Hobbs had did a um, project called IO Streams last year, where instead of creating digital artworks and selling those and then also printing those out, he actually only printed uh, silkscreen prints and then he chipped those with IYK. And those chips, once you claim the physical piece after you bought it, just have this digital representation token in your wallet. But that token that's in your wallet can't be transferred. It can't be sold. Um, it can only be moved by another person who might buy that physical artwork from that person to tap that chip to move the digital token. So what it really does is make that physical piece uh, the primary thing um and it kind of really just gives it more as a as a certificate of authenticity if that makes sense and the physical is now the important piece so you know i think that has interesting applications for like a lot of artists that are like going out there trying to create physicals um that might want to involve involve it being on chain in some way but still have that physical piece is the more important piece yeah, I realized as soon as I said that that I totally teed that up for you, dude. Um, the uh, real quick though, like, does does 4K um, does that come into play at all? Because because I know you guys have some sort of a partnership with 4K, and they they actually do will do physical storage um, and give yeah. you some sort of a ticket, right? Well, it's it's a, it's a bit different. I mean, 4K is more of like a, a, a sto like on chain storage. Uh, so what they do is they'll take a physical, they'll kind of map it out, they'll create a digital, uh, what they call a vaulted token. And the only time those vaulted tokens can be created is if that physical piece is actually sitting uh, physically in their 4K warehouse. Uh, so when you want to take that physical back from them, all you have to do is like take that vaulted token to the 4K website and just burn that token and enter your like shipping details and then they'll go in the warehouse and take that physical out and ship it to your house. Um, so, I mean, it's a little bit different of a mechanic and, and, you know, the only reason why we have uh, a pretty tight knit relationship with them is that there's a lot of people that wanted to collect 90 CC products, but not actually have them claimed and just have it stored for them without having to store it at their own home. Uh, so that was just like an option that we gave, uh, for holders to like actually have a place to to store their items. I'll tell you, as a person who does like collect physical items, that is, it feels like too much of a luxury of a service, but amazing. You know, annoying it is you gotta have three of the same shoe and you're like, I just have to keep this somewhere in a closet. And then, oh no, you put something on top and the weight starts getting on the, it's, it's, it's a pain. So I love that. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that's brilliant. You guys explained it perfectly. Um, and just for folks, just so folks know, if you want to look it up, the, the company that did that uh, release with Tyler Hobbs is called uh, Virtu Fine Art. They actually had another one. Uh, well, they may have had multiple, but they had one recently with uh, Harvey Rayner called Cove Hive. And uh, I think, I can't remember if you collected one or not. I know you were looking into it, but I think they have that same mechanic where 
you, you, you know, you claim the NFT by having the physical. Uh, and then the other model is also being used right now with these Pokemon NFT cards. I don't know if you guys are following that, but essentially you buy the NFT and the NFT represents a real Pokemon card, like sitting in their vault somewhere. The company's called courtyard.io and you could uh, burn the NFT and receive the card or just trade the NFT. Uh, so that's uh, another hybrid model. And that way, the proof of authenticity is separated from the physical. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Benjamin. Yeah, sorry, I keep jumping in here. Um, the only other thing that I was going to add, like a little bit more of a complexity uh, level to this as well, is that a lot of things that are vaulted uh, physically, like within 4K and a lot of these other companies is, you know, you have that that same dynamic of being able to use that token uh, in a way that you couldn't do in real life. So what we've seen a lot, and uh, I think there's been a couple of posts that have been pushed out there by uh, companies like Arcade, where people are taking those 4K tokens that are like a vaulted Rolex, for example, and they're like going on to loan platforms like uh, Arcade and actually like taking loans out on their like physical collectibles. I think that was like something really unique um, to really how it's entered into the web three space where it's really hard to do that in real life with web two. Like you'd have to take that Rolex to, uh, you know, a physical location. They'd have to um, appraise it. And then you could maybe take a loan out and you might have to like give that Rolex to them as, as like collateral, but to be able to do that digitally, like really easily with a token without really any intermediate, uh, now I can't say the word intermintaries, you know, people in between to like, um, work those deals is really kind of cool. I think that yeah. would be, oh, go ahead, Todd. I, I, yeah, was, I was just going to say, uh, J Jared, you should have said that eventually. And Jared's going to lever up his watch collection now. <laughs> <laughs> but th this is like, when I saw that, cause I, cause I'm a, I'm a community member, uh, for, for admit one. When I saw how smooth the 4K experience was and what they're doing, if they can scale that, they could be the biggest company in, in the entire NFT space, like legitimately, because of, because of all the permutations that could come out of that, including today what you see with, with free ports with art, where, where literally people hold in tax shelters their artwork, you know, like, like, like this, could, this could be an application for free. There's so many things they could do if, if they can scale. That I, I mean, I was just blown away when I when I saw that. And thank you, Eventry, for really breaking it down on on a more granular level. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, yeah, I think like 4K and definitely like IYK as well are like set up to be like huge, huge players. I mean, I, IYK could be going into galleries all over the world right now and saying, "Hey, let me just like slap an NFC chip on every single artwork." in your gallery um the token can't be transferred it can only be moved if we sell it and then you could sort of turn the whole museum on chain just with an nfc chip being added to the artwork and i mean it doesn't have to be physically attached to the artwork itself i mean we've seen those nfc chips uh you know chipped into like physical cards uh, of authenticity as well so it's like really cool what they can uh do themselves as well i mean the, the innovation in the space is so cool uh, like I love it, and uh, I'm I'm gonna go back to to Jared's question, uh, where he was asking us, you know, what was something that maybe hasn't really been talked about in in Marfa that surprised us, and I, I'm gonna go, and I want to throw it over to Corporate Trash, who joined us up on stage. Um, but I I have a few of these, Jared, but one thing that I noticed is it felt like there were more um, 
like non web three people who were there and they were having a good time, right? Like we got a chance to hang out with Jordan, uh, Lyle, uh, the prohibition art founder and his wife, uh, and she was great. And it just felt like, you know, I felt like I could bring my wife here now because before it was just like too nerdy, too much. And now it felt like there's at least enough significant others there that they wouldn't hate me for dragging them out there. <laughs> uh, but please go ahead, corporate trash. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, actually. Um, hey, everybody. Uh, I think I really liked how many women were there. Um, you know, it's, there's not many women in the space. And so it was really cool to see like both like not just, you know, um, plus ones, which there were a lot of, but there were also a lot of artists and um, even some collectors, and it was just really cool. I, maybe it's because it skewed a little bit older, like more like 30s than 20s. Um, I, I think that's definitely true, which is fine with me because that's where I'm at. So it felt more comfortable for me. Um, and, yeah, like I, I loved that part. So I'm depressed it's over. I can't wait to go back. It was so much fun. Well, to go back to that earlier point about this thing scaling and getting really big, I think the cool thing about it is, I agree with you, corporate. Like, it's our second, well, ours meaning, you know, Aston and I's second year there. I'm an advocate of it. I'll, I'll, I'll propagate and preach about how amazing it is from, from every single soapbox that somebody will let me hop on. And at the same time, you know, I, I was worried about it similarly, like getting too big. But the reality is, I think that because of its physical location, you like, even if you are going with like malintent there's just too many good people there to kind of like not let the vibes get too crazy and it just felt like you know the more and more i've been reflecting on this the more and more i'm convinced that it can scale it may get big for marfa but because marfa is a tiny city with only like 1700 like population but i also feel like just the community vibes i mean there were people coming in last minute sleeping on people's couches and airbnbs it just felt like this was something that could definitely uh, be something that, yeah, it may get a little too big in due time, but people really almost in some way want to protect the sanctity, not only of Marfa and Artblocks, but I think also Snowfro, because what's being created here, you know, as a, as a builder myself is really, really amazing. And I think there's a lot of, and this is why you saw, you know, the, in my opinion, people like Frank and Thread Guy in there is because these communities that are being built up are true, you know, heartfelt communities, not just people in passing. So I think it's something that could be amazing. And, and Jared, what, what did you find unexpected? Did you already go? Yeah, mine was the squiggle down thing. I also think that right. just the, the openness and honesty of everybody. I mean, you and I had a conversation with some, you know, people about like different things like the direction of art blocks and, you know, exit plans and just, I mean, you know, it was, you know, those are both kind of like two, you know. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to what, that. The whispers we're hearing, the stuff that Jared only hears as a fund manager. That's, a, no, that's but the it's, real alpha. But it's but. like uh, the thing that nobody's talking about. I mean, you know, Sam's down in the crowd, but like, you know the like major investors like you're you're literally you can be rubbing elbows with somebody who shares the same passion for art but at the same time the the concentration of builders like you and I had dinner with Jordan that one night uh, just by by itself like even 
running into Began and the crew. Like th- these are things that I would have never ran in or gone into Morpha thinking like, this is what I need to do. I need to network with these specific people, but just serendipitously we're all building something in web three and to be around like-minded people is really amazing. Yeah. And that was a perfect segue actually, because we have a builder who just joined us on stage. Uh, thanks for coming. Nicole. If folks are not familiar, uh, Nicole is uh, running Vertical Crypto Art, founder of Vertical Crypto Art, and they had an exhibition, FemGen, Female Generative Artists, that was there. And, and actually, I'm going to show you for a second, there, that exhibition, the works are now being uh, sold right, I believe right now, um, certainly the one I was paying most attention to, uh, Pixelated Perceptions by Amy Cusano, I think I spelled, said her name right. Uh, but anyways, Nicole, thanks for coming up, it was awesome to meet you. Uh, anything unexpected that you want to share for Marfa and uh, anything else about your experience there? Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, no, I think I echo everything that has been said so far. Sorry. Living that convertible life. I'm in a, I'm in a car, so there's a little bit of noise, but, um, yeah, I think I echo everything that's been said so far. Uh, I think, honestly, what makes to me, like, I, it was my first time. Uh, I had a lot of friends that went uh, last year. Obviously, I'm very close to the Artblocks community and, and to Eric. I'm actually on the curatorial board as well for Artblocks. So, I, I you know, I'm, I, I feel very deeply about everything that Artblocks does. And I think you really already see and can feel the energy of Artblocks just by hanging on the Discord that it's just something different from, you know, other communities uh, within Web3. But I think like going there, you really understand how the focus is very much on the artists, you know, like the way that it's that it's built, the, the workshops, the talks, the kind of like the hangouts are really built around like getting to know the artist craft and enabling like collectors, curators, whoever, you know, the community as a whole to kind of like experience this and I think this just automatically like changes you know conversations and changes like the perception that you have and the reason why you're there you know um so like for me it was uh, I I knew it was going to be amazing but I think it was even more like amazing than what I expected it to be um definitely hoping to to go back next year I kind of echo um this feeling of like in a way not wanting it to become too big because, you know, like when, when things like become too big, then it kind of sometimes it might lose that. I don't know, like to me, it felt like I was at summer camp, you know, like you're at summer camp with your friends and then you kind of like leave and you're like really sad and you go back home and, and you have like, you know, blues from summer camp because everything is so close. You walk around everywhere, you know, you're meeting people and when you have breakfast, you're meeting people when you have lunch. Like it's, it's just it's just uh the, the town of Marfa really presents itself super well to host something like this as well. So, so I hope it, it kind of in a way, not like it's not like doesn't get too big. Cause I do want people to really experience what we all did uh, over this weekend, but in a way like keep that, I don't know, like kind of like home family, like feeling, uh, which I think is really special. Uh, and the reason why we all uh, enjoyed it and are, you know, still here kind of like three, four days later uh, talking about it. Yeah, no, that uh, we just got to put it like even harder to get to. It's got to be even harder to get to next year. And then we'll, <laughs> we'll keep filtering out for the people who really want to be there. 
Uh, another, you know, one other thing uh, that I wanted to put out there that I noticed that was a little unexpected, and I guess I don't really think about this, especially because we're online, but in person, it was a really diverse crowd, like very, very diverse. I met people from all sorts of backgrounds. And, uh, you know, it, it didn't even matter. It's, it's kind of like you start talking about art and whatever. And they're like, oh, oh, like you're from, uh, like, oh, th this was one. This was amazing. I don't know if you guys met this guy, but there was a guy who, um, Japanese guy came all the way from Tokyo to come and he got exposed to gen art for the first time at Bright Moments in Tokyo, which was only a few months ago. And, uh, man, I wish I got his contact info, but apparently also cool. This guy's family has made kimonos for 300 years. Like that's, that's the business they're in the kimono building business. And, uh, yeah, I just, I just thought that was awesome. Like, but diversity, like across the board, uh, you know, ethnic gender, whatever, uh, and, and thought that that was like really cool. Uh, I think what, what about, what, I'm sorry, go ahead. I think something that was also really interesting for me was, um, how like, there was a lot of not only focus on art, but just like how generative art can power a lot of like other verticals and like industries. So fashion obviously was like, you know, the, the, the biggest, uh, the biggest kind of like um, the biggest conversation as well with uh, tribute brand and drop and merch that had that had their um, their talk. On, I think it was Friday, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, I think like there was, you know, a, even like you know Luke Shannon was doing like uh, generative embroidery, which obviously he's he's been doing for for a long time. But just like this idea of how like generative systems can and will power a lot of other areas of like culture and arts and artistic expression, whatever that shape or that that, that takes shape, I think was super interesting, and probably you know it's it's something that will trickle down into what we're going to see even within, you know, the art blocks kind of like wider community as well. Well, it's funny you bring this up because I had interviewed uh, or done an interview with Kevin Rose uh, and for the squiggle Dow, And he mentioned how his daughters, you know, his, his daughters will talk about in the future, how they thought that it was silly that nobody, or we would all wear the same t-shirt. And there wasn't this like unique individualism, and and that was a really good point. The the generative fashion world and individualism, and again, not to just keep showing it, but iteration two from ninety cc is a no brainer to me. You get your individual squiggle. There's some implied rarity amongst it. I mean, I think that there is something. You know, Asim and I talk about uh, Rosenbaum's Fidenza shoes. I mean, there's just so much application on this and uniqueness and different avenues for, for artists that I walked away thinking that was one of the most uh, potentially I'll call it industry changing portions, but not only just from like a, it'd be dope to have all this cool fashion, but to me it was really about the advancement and spreading of the generative art world and almost in a point where people would subconsciously be able to be red pilled because they're getting this unique one of one of X piece and it's something that is inherently beautiful because the algorithm is, is beautiful in its own sense. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, it's such a cool concept, right? And the first time I collected generative art, I was like, Oh, this is mine. It's unique. And, and that feels really special. And, and why doesn't that apply to other things that we do? And obviously there's going to be some like manufacturing challenges that need to be overcome, but 
with uh, I mean, it's going that way anyways with like modular manufacturing, 3D printing, etc. I actually saw this thing on Twitter. I've been sharing it with people where there's a 3D printing chocolate machine. So uh, apparently they spent nine years making this. So you just like, Google Twitter 3D printing chocolate. And it's, you know, like the instructions for that come from somewhere, right? So, so why couldn't that be generative, right? You get your exact shape or at some point per, perhaps composition of chocolate, you know, like how much dark versus white versus like milk. Uh, anyways, I have a big sweet tooth, as you can probably tell. So like think, think about this kind of stuff a lot. But like, I, I mean, why not? Like, it could be interesting. I mean, you could have that unique formulation of food that nobody else ever, it may not ever exist again, right? Like that, that meal because it was like created generatively. Um, and uh, I, I think that's really interesting and cool. And I mean, if we want to go like really deep work of this go, like let's say you go into healthcare and you get like a medication generated for you that is like the exact mix of what you need for your specific situation, your weight and your size and blah, blah, blah. Right. We, we kind of like force these all into one bucket. Uh, but there's no reason that it, I mean, it's a manufacturing and cost issue, but once those are solved, like there's no reason it couldn't be this way. Uh, and I mean that that's uh anyways so so i'll I'll stop rambling on that uh vegan i you unmuted a few times like love to hear what you guys got on your mind well yeah it's funny I, you guys were mentioning um because I'm, I'm probably gonna butcher the name I'm, I'm really bad with names but i it was awu was who was um his family or he's like worked for hoso which i'm saying wrong too but it's funny because he's like telling me the stories like oh yeah we've you know we've you know made silk for like a, 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 a silk komodos for a really long time and we've done some big collaborations and then I'm like, well, let me see him. Pull it out. Pulls his phone out. I'm like, oh my god, I've been seeing collabs with this brand like for the past like I don't know, like five years, something like that. Like they've done Gucci collabs, Lexus, Leica, crazy high end stuff. And I was like, whoa, this is like crazy. And then they were founded in 1688. 1688. We don't have companies that are founded back then, and they were literally making like kimonos for like the samurais and imperial nobles, like wild stuff. And then. He's exploring generative art and like what does that look like and like actually doing stuff where you would actually, you know, generate something and then do a custom making of a like one of a kind silk kimono, like over the top, amazing luxury. And it's just super, super interesting to see like, you know, that's the oldest company that's in gen art right now, right? Like if they're exploring it, it's wild. And their collab with Gucci, the purses they made, it looks like an art blocks piece. I swear I could totally see a bunch of variations happening from them. So it's super, super fun conversation. And that was one of the ones that was had, I think it was the last night at the, the after party, you know, just the random after party house near the techno barn. Hey, I work for a 300 year old silk company. Can I show you my, uh, and it, he was asking too, can I show you what I'm working on and give me an opinion? So you, another great person to meet. Hilarious. Yeah. It's a, it was so cool. And I, actually here's, here's a question. I, I got to throw it out there. Here's a question for you all. And uh, first mate, I, I know you popped up here, uh, saw some 90s in your profile. So maybe you have some first thoughts on this. Um, what is going to come first, right? Like, let's say we get Fidenza prints on kimonos, right? Let's just use this example. Like is, are people going to start liking Fidenza's because they see those prints on the uh, kimono or do they need to know Fidenza's pattern ahead of time in order to want the kimono? Right. It's a little bit of a, a chicken and the egg problem. And I actually am thinking about this also in the context of the pudgy penguins news being in a Walmart, which like it's amazing. They're in Walmarts. It's like fantastic progress. But I'm kind of like, well, who's going to buy them? Like who even knows what that is? Who's, you know, walking to a Walmart in Iowa or something like that? Um, so, yeah, like uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this first, mate. Like if we do get some of these generative art, like beautiful art patterns on works, does the demand come just because they're beautiful or do we need to educate folks on, hey, this is actually an artwork? first 
For sure. Um, the reason we raised our hand was to step in where Begin actually did, um, because that was Awu who had uh, had the family business making kimonos, and you can look him up. It's Awu Chen. Um, I'm very curious about Aventurine's perspective on this, actually, because he's so deep into 90cc and Admit 1. I think, generally, at this point, it kind of seems like distribution is a pretty key bottleneck and so I'd wonder, you know, if they make a Fidenza kimono, I think it's kind of a, a product that's an, an upsell to fans of kimonos. Um, I wouldn't think that it's necessarily um, intended to get people who might not be interested in kimonos interested in them, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and I guess... Um... I mean, I, I'd like to think that you probably need a little bit of a storytelling, right, for someone who's not aware of what Fidenzas are to say, hey, this is, you know, one of the top whatever pieces or patterns, collections in this space, and that's why it's interesting. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'd love to hear anyone else's thoughts on that uh, if you have them, and uh, I'd love to hear from Praveen, who just joined on stage as well. But why don't you go first, Aventurian, just on this topic? I was just going to say it's really cool because I just saw that he uh, popped up down in the audience. So I don't know, maybe if he wanted to speak or whatnot, um, that would be really cool. But um, yeah, I mean, I think um, like 90CC is a company. I mean, we're definitely like out there exploring different things. I think that was one of like the main reasons that uh, G Money headed out to like Korea Blockchain Week a couple of weeks back. And I was out there with him and um, you know, luckily enough, that same week was um, the fashion week out there in Korea as well. So we had headed down to um, like a fashion show out there and and hung around and kind of broke off from the whole blockchain week and uh, sort of spent a little bit of time out there talking with people out there in Korea. So, I mean, we're very interested in talking with, uh, you know, people all over the world um, when it comes to any kind of fashion. I mean, fashion is it's huge in Japan. Fashion's huge in in Korea. So, um, yeah, I'll just I'll, I'll stop there. Awesome, awesome. Like much appreciate the thoughts, uh, Praveen. Welcome, and first of all, it's a real pleasure to meet you. Praveen works with Deca. He's a super awesome guy. Uh, yeah, and uh, anything unexpected from Marfa that people aren't really talking about that you want to share and how was your overall experience? Hey, uh, thanks for inviting me earlier and I apologize I was late. Uh, I told you I had some uh, family uh, commitments that to get take care of. Um, yeah, so, you know, it was my first time going to Marfa. I mentioned this on other spaces yesterday that I had a lot of imposter syndrome because I was late to Artblocks. I only got into Artblocks about two years ago. Uh, so I hadn't gone to any of the Marfa events before. I do highly recommend if you can make it out there. It was an amazing experience. Like got to talk to so many different artists from around the world, like uh, Takawa-san from Japan, uh, Rosen Likey from uh, Copenhagen, I believe, uh, Thomas Peterson. So, and then also got to meet a lot of artists that were not necessarily generative artists that had been there. And even, you know, there were people that I didn't know were um, generative art collectors, like uh, uh, Frank de Gods even mentioned that he had collected generative art. Uh, so it was quite a quite a great experience. Uh, I, I I resonate with that feeling that it does feel like the early stages of what people say when they you know went for Coachella or um, Burning Man, and then you know you feel you get worried that you want these events to get more re global recognition. At the same time, you know it's going to lose that small 
a small, more intimate feeling. Uh, but uh, it, it, I would, you know, if you get a chance to go for this next year, I would highly recommend it. We're trying to make sure the entire Decker team comes out next year now, because uh, I just thought it was an incredible experience. Like without without us having to do an event or anything, just for us to all be there and get to meet other collectors, artists, enjoyers. Um, another thing surprising for me from that event, I'm sorry I'm rambling, was I met a lot of artists that weren't on Twitter, that don't have don't have MetaMask. And they just came and like hung out and talked about art. And uh, it was it was an incredible experience. And I did, uh, I see Awu's also in the audience and I had pinned up his one of his tweets up above. Um, so yeah, that's about it. I appreciate you sharing that about the imposter syndrome because I think that that's, can be intimidating. You know, here we are talking about connecting with all these like amazing collectors and this and that. But the reality is, is like, most, if not, I'll just say the majority of people were are probably newer in those last two years. We didn't, not a lot of people had the the luxury of minting Fidenzas, or if they did, and they'd go back in in hindsight and in history and mint a hell of a lot more. But I mean, your point of you know having the courage to go out there, I, I would really encourage more people to do it because it's just a really, really amazing community. I won't speak for P, but when we started doing you know, collector's corner. I had the same imposter syndrome talking about it, but you know, just connecting with more people. All it does is, is give you more and more confidence uh, about what we're doing. And that's actually a point I wanted to make earlier that I somehow skimmed over is a lot of this, as much as it's amazing, we're all singing the, the song of how great art is. I had a reminder that like, we're all still early, right? So if you do, if you're, you're having FOMO that you weren't there or, feel like you're, you missed the, the boat, I remind myself that it, we're still relatively early. I mean, throughout all my travels, I wore a squiggle hat, I wore a squiggle Dow shirt, and nobody once stopped and said, cool squiggle hat. Not that I needed the affirmation, and nobody even stopped to say, what the hell is that weird thing on your on your hat, right? So when we can, or when I can engage with hundreds, if not thousands of people throughout the airport, it's a reminder to me that we are fortunate. We we should feel, you know, the that we're that it's an amazing time to start integrating into all this and and you know the the other part is, is circle back and connect with the good people because Praveen uh, at Planet Marfa reminded me that I I hadn't even done a follow back uh, on Twitter. So even then we're still missing out on on some things and you know making these more meaningful connections because I think we'll all look up, back on this in ten years and. And and wish who could have bought more of something, you know. That's uh, that, that's that's awesome, man. Jared's like wondering why he didn't automatically get bumped up to first class with his uh, squiggle hat. He's like, you guys realize this is a hyper bold. Yeah, yeah I had I have a rare squiggle hat. Do you guys not understand who I am? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, Abu, thanks for coming up, man. I I want to let, let Toph and Nicole go since they uh since they raised their hands, but we'll get to you right afterwards. Excited to have you up on stage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess, I guess Jay pause. You're going to get like uh, now boarding all uh, military active military service and squiggle down members uh, when you get on planes now, but uh, so um, really quick Praveen's point about some, so, uh, seeing some folks that were just on Instagram. It's really interesting because it, it kind of brought back a memory of, of art Basel last year. And, and actually my, 
uh, my iteration one and two 90cc t-shirts to, to continue with the show. Um, those were a real big conversation starter for, for traditional artists. Like people were seeing all of us idiots scanning each other's t-shirts with our phones and you're like, what are those guys doing? And uh, so it really started a lot of conversations with traditional artists. Um, so so that, that just out of curiosity, if we could take like a quick poll, what do you, what percentage of the people in Marfa do y'all think were like, you know, were, were maybe don't even ever have a MetaMask wallet or a Twitter account or something like that. Like people that were truly, you know, interested in art, but not really in this, in this ecosystem. I, I gotta be honest with you. I have no idea. Cause I barely know what anyone looks like who's in web three. So I just kind of assumed that most people there uh, were in web three, but uh, yeah, I don't know. D Jared or Began, if you guys have any thoughts on that. Sorry, I'm being a bad host. Well, Jared, I know, I know uh, thanks to uh, Marfa Mesh, of two people in particular, that it was their very first NFT. Now, they were both significant others to people that came out to Marfa. So, obviously, they're, I guess, uh, NFT collectors ancillary through their significant other. But, yeah, this was their very first NFT, which means they had to download their first MetaMask wallet. So, kudos to them. And then I also know there was some Ordinals folks out there that um, – you know, are, are heavy in the Bitcoin world and uh, are very unfamiliar with MetaMask and the operations of Ethereum that also uh, downloaded MetaMask for the first time. So I can count you three for you that I know for sure. And I think if you put that into two different categories, I mean, there's a couple of people that we talk to that don't have a Twitter because they just want to be more a non, I mean, these are like people in, in very high level collecting spheres. But I think from a MetaMask, I would say probably over 80% had a MetaMask would be my guess. Yeah, I think there's probably some spillover from local folks there who are you know, largely in the art scene talk. So that, that's what I imagine what some of that was. Um, but I, I, I got to think as word spreads, people will consider more and more uh, coming out to Marfa. Uh, and one one thing before we go to Nicole, I know we're talking about Marfa is amazing. You know, how is, is there going to be space next year? Uh, we said the same thing last year. I think we probably have maybe one or two more years before it really goes nuts. I mean, coming off the heels of a bull run, it's probably going to be insane. Uh, and, and so we'll kind of have to see from there. But I think if you missed it, I, I think next year should should be good. Uh, but Nicole, you've been patient. Please go ahead. Yeah, no, um, I just wanted to go back to what, uh, Jared, you were saying around uh, how, like, this idea of, like, imposter syndrome and, like, how, you know, not everybody there, the majority of people there maybe don't have a Fidenza or maybe don't even have a Squiggle. And I think, like, actually, one of the, I think one of the nicest parts to, to this whole uh, weekend as well is that nobody really cares what you have in your wallet, realistically or how much money you spent on art blocks. Like I never heard, honestly, I've never kind of like spoken about uh, like floor price or sales or anything uh, for that matter uh, on, on these topics at all, which I, th I thought was like super refreshing because usually, you know, the majority of um, NFT events, kind of like crypto conferences, there's a very, very big focus on this idea of, you know, selling or shilling or, there's always kind of like this pressure of, of talking about money in some shape or form. Um, and, and even if, as you said before, like we, we, you know, it was 
pretty much surrounded by a lot of like some of the biggest collectors in the space, some of, you know, Artbox investors, you know, people who um, probably have some of the best collections that, that exist right now in terms of digital art and generative art. It was never really mentioned. And, and I think that kind of like levels out everybody and just puts the conversation the same for everyone, which is, uh, is just refreshing. Yeah, I, I mean, it's extremely well put. And another thing that we, going back to Jared's question of like what, what hasn't really been talked about but was notable, another thing notable to me is the the conversations tended to be very interesting in the sense that there's a lot of folks, like I, I got a chance to meet a couple of folks from Flamingo Dow that I'd never met before. And we just started talking about, well, what's happening in the space and where is it going to go and, you know, what innovations do we need and it just, it feels like everyone's kind of an advocate and everyone's trying to think about, okay, like how can we help and, and push the state, the space forward and really like really fun, interesting conversations. And, it, you know, I don't think you like need to be an intellectual. I think you just kind of talk and you see the points. You're like, oh, wow, this is like kind of interesting to hear about and, and hear different perspectives. And the other thing I'll say is, you know, I mean, Flamingo Dow, these guys are like elite collectors uh they're in my mind uh, like they're kind of like on a pedestal it's like wow like i wish i could be like that and to be able to chat with somebody who you have put up on a pedestal and then make you feel like oh we're all on the same level i mean th that that's just really really nice and they want to hear your opinion etc uh and i think that kind of intellectual curiosity and openness permeates uh certainly the gen art space in web3 but it was very much present there out in marfa uh it was, it was really refreshing also, it helps that there's no blasting music everywhere you go and you can actually have a conversation with people uh, and like look people in the eye because usually it's just like you have, you know, no idea, music, alcohol, like it's just a bit hectic. So I think that definitely helps the, the nature of the conversations too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I want to I wanna throw it over to you, Awu. Thanks for coming to the spaces. Like, I'm so glad you're here because I met you and I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. Like you, you came from Japan. Uh, what, was this your first time in Texas? Yeah, yeah. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Great. Well, um, thanks, Pravin, for bringing me on the space. I actually, I didn't know this was happening until um, someone tagged me on, on one of the posts. And yeah, this is, this is awesome. Thanks for having me. It was probably one of my most uh, kind of special trips to the U.S., I would say, um, this this trip to Marfa, Texas. First time in Texas, and I definitely would like to, to come back again, um, whether it's next year or, or sometimes on my own. I think there there's just so much to explore there. Yeah, and I'm, I'm curious if you're willing to share, like, what made you decide to go? Um, from from what you told me, I, you had really first been exposed to generative art with Bright Moments Tokyo. Uh, I mean, I love it. I, I love that you decided to pull the trigger. But yeah, what were you hoping to get out of the trip? And, and did you get it? It's. Uh, I, I'm so glad that I came. And I messaged, like, I think Dirt is, is, is down in the audience as well. But if it weren't for, you know, people that came to Bright Moments, whether it's our block or the Bright Moments team, that encouraged me to come. I don't think I would have made the trip um, out here. And, you know, coming here, there are so many people that helped me from 
getting a ride from the airport to like Marfa, just like random stranger came up and said, do you need a ride? Or like these special encounters just made this trip even more special. Amazing, amazing. Well, I, I have a million questions for you. Uh, would uh, love to open up for anybody else if, if they have any questions for Awu. Uh, I'll, I'll just kick one off. Um, are we are we going to see some uh, squiggle kimonos? <laughs> is, is that in the cards in the future? Uh, that that would be incredible. And I think a lot of the the people that I was able to talk to were, you know, genuinely interested in in craft and in in kind of what what that represents. Um, you know, whether it's the history, the provenance. I think there's so much similarities between traditional craft and what we're seeing on generative art. So I, I would definitely love to explore all the possibilities. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, Rosenbaum, you, you got to show me your Fidenza shoes. <laughs> like that might, uh, like that, that's amazing. Uh, tough, tough, go ahead. And, and anyone else, like, uh, feel free to jump in. Yeah, Awu, welcome. Uh, just well, I'm curious, uh, who are your favorite uh, Japanese artists uh, in, in the digital space? Uh, and I think uh, Shinsuke Takawa was, was yes. there as well. I'm not sure if you had a chance to connect with, with him, but I've collected some of his work. But just curious, what, who are some of your favorite artists? Takawa-san is definitely up there in terms of someone that is always a mentor for me. And, you know, this, this bright moment last was even last year, it was like this May was like my first time interacting with generative art. And if it weren't for the existing communities in, in Japan, I don't think I would be able to level up so quickly and, and to be able to, to actually make sense out of all the different conversations that people were having. Um, I also want to echo a little bit of what was talked about earlier and this idea that you could you know, walk up to anyone in Marfa and have like a meaningful conversation that just felt genuine and it felt like you're learning so much. I don't think I've had that experience anywhere else. That's that's awesome. I mean, I, I think we all kind of, we, we feel that energy and that vibe and that inclusiveness. Um, I'm curious to hear, I always like to ask people from different parts of the world, um, how big is Web3 art? It's just not just generative art, but how big is Web3 art in Japan? And uh, since you've been involved, does it seem like it's been growing? Absolutely. I think um, uh, I think it was Seth or, or Joy Ito-san from Bright Moments who talked about how Japan was um, saved from the boom and bust of the crypto market because of the, the regulation that the government kind of put in place. So, you know, people did not lose money during the, you know, the crash of the FTX and, you know, the exchanges. So genuinely, like people are still very excited about Web3 and NFTs. Um, and that is something that we're just starting to see, you know, that community grow and the people kind of rally behind that. Um, another thing I would say is that like collecting in Japan has always been a big part of the culture, whether it's Pokemon to, you know, the traditional wooden prints, right? like all of that is part of the same, you know, behaviors that we're seeing in, in the crypto space right now. So I feel like, yeah, like people 
you know, this onboarding process um, is actually quite natural for for those. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I had no idea that there was not the, the boom and bust cycle over there, which I, I can't even imagine what that would be like. It just feels like so intrinsic to, to crypto. Um, it would be nice right now. That's for sure. Uh, go ahead, Praveen. Oh, um, I, I know Awusan has a better perspective, but um, even I went to uh, Japan for about three weeks uh, this summer and I got to meet a few collectors and um, artists like Puchita-san and uh, Masahiro-san. And um, they said it's also very interesting, like collectors feel bad to sell art after they've bought it. So even if it, if it increases in value a lot, they do feel bad to like sell it off. Uh, they feel like it's insulting to the artist that they collected it from. Um, but yeah, aside from the tax issues that they that the that is uh, government because the government is also they said cultural things where they don't feel like selling art after they've bought it from somebody, which I would love Awusan to to uh, talk more about that. Absolutely, and and thank you, Pravin, for for you know um, the honorifics, and I feel like. You know, in, in Japan, we like to collect things that, um, you know, we can pass down through multiple generations. And, you know, from, from like a kimono perspective, many times we, you know, we hand like a kimono down to our grandchildren and be like, well, this is something that my great grandfather has handed me, right? This idea of having something that you collect persists throughout many generations is, you know, is part of the culture. And I do think that um, we we are starting to see some of that in the generative art scene as well, is that this idea of holding on to something that becomes part of your identity so much so that you, you want to hold on to it. You know, it doesn't matter what the price point is, like you just hold on to it because of what it represents. And, you know, hopefully one day you, you can pass that down to, to your future generations and they would look at it almost as like a family heirloom that you have, um, you know, hanging on your family wall. So maybe that could be, you know, the squiggle that we're talking about. Um, so I, I do think that is all possible. Oh, the, uh, this is amazing. And I mean, the, thank you for also sharing how some of the cultural norms are different. I mean, I, I didn't realize any of those points that you made there about Japan and, Again, I, I come back to uh, just, just how great it is to learn from different people, from different walks of life and cultures in the space. So no, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I have uh, somehow out of things to talk about. So uh, anyone, like, feel free to, to hop in. Did anybody else have any other thoughts? And, uh... Yeah, real quick, I'm going to pin something for everybody here. It's actually a tweet from a venturing yesterday. Let me do this real quick. If you guys haven't, claim for those who did go to marfa if you have not claimed your uh, marfa mesh as an nft yet you will lose that opportunity on friday so you definitely want to make sure that um you don't let all those efforts of meeting people and taking pictures go to waste make sure you guys claim that nft and by claiming rose you just mean putting your eth or ens address in the app uh, I believe so. I just actually stumbled across this myself, so I've got to do it as well. But, yeah, uh, that's correct. Okay. That's correct, though. Yeah, uh, as long as you go into the settings and put your wallet address in there before Friday, you're good. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's right. And uh, we'll see how many of those there end up being. It's actually going to be a relatively small collection. So that'll be pretty cool to see. Although I, I it would be kind of weird to sell yours, uh, even if you wanted to, because uh, it's like so personalized to to each person. Um, and, you know, one thing that we didn't get into, and I, I had, there were so many topics that I wanted to bring up, but um, we'll we'll save it for some some debates. Actually, I'm super excited to meet Vegan because you know one thing that I realized is. Uh, you know, we talk about the culture that's on the art side of NFTs, and it's a little distinct culture on the DeFi side or the PFP side of uh, NFTs. And but you know, man, that, the, there's a lot of Twitter spaces that these guys have been running and stuff, like Vegan. We talked about Thread Guy and some of these other guys, and I realized, you know, that there might be something there, right, in, in terms of getting folks to pay attention and listen. Uh, and so, I mean, I am looking forward to having some more discussions about art because there were hot takes. I mean, we, we didn't get into them. Uh, you know, I'd go down the list. Uh, you know, what should we do with Art Blocks curated uh, sort of a um, lackluster release today, unfortunately. Um, what should we, you know, is, is Prohibition going to sort of take the mantle that Tezo started and, and create that ecosystem? Um, you know, sorry, FX hash. And interestingly, not as much of a Tezos presence there, at least that, that I noticed. Um, and, uh, you know, squiggle stuff, Yamamoto, I mean, I won't even get into all of that, but there, that's another thing that came up. I, I don't want to bring these up because there's so much, uh, it, we could talk for hours on those, but it's something that I, you know, I'm excited that some of these other folks are getting interested more so on the art side. I know you already were vegan, but folks who do want to talk about these things um, because I think, and bring attention to these issues because I think you all do a really great job of doing that on the DeFi and uh, non-art NFT side. And I think we could use a little more of that on, on the art side, respectfully, of course. Uh, go ahead, Adventuring. Yeah, just I, I wasn't sure if it came up like in the first 10 or 15 minutes of the space, but did you guys uh, talk anything about Raul's telephone? <laughs> no. We, we, we didn't talk about the telephone DAO uh, that, I mean, you guys covered it or really well in that spaces yesterday. And to be honest, I didn't experience it that much. I, uh, I basically saw a bunch of people who were uh, from what I could tell <laughs> tripping pretty hard on shrooms talking about a telephone and a DAO. And I was like, I don't, I don't even know what's going on. So I, I pieced it together more after the fact. Uh, but the, no, I mean, there, that's another thing. It was like, if you want to get the TLDR eventually, I'm sure folks would love to hear it. Yeah. And I don't know how much more I know than, you know, I mean, the only, uh, stuff on top of that, that I know is that there was like a telephone hidden out in Marfa and there was sort of a cryptic tweet, uh, that was put out. And it was one of these things where when you found the telephone, you dialed the operator and, uh, it gave a seed phrase out, which had two of, uh, Raul's art blocks pieces that were, um, on the wallet when you got that that phrase uh, and then other than that I mean I guess the telephone dial came up from that uh, by that evening and um, at a house party they were bringing the telephone around on a pillow and having people taking pictures with it which was pretty funny yeah yeah exactly. so, so the telephone was like set up as an installation it was like on the sidewalk and uh, the, it was exactly what you said. It was a game to figure out the seed phrase to get these pieces from a semblance by Rahul Iyer, who, who's one of the Artblocks employees as well as an artist. And they decided to steal it. And then they sent out these pictures, which were hilarious because it was like it was like a hostage pic picture, but with this telephone, like you know, like a dark room, and you know, like I don't even really know. They might have even like held a knife up to it or something. It was, it was, it was pretty funny to to see all that. Well, once I like learned what actually happened.
Um, but all right, friends, uh, appreciate you all coming. We got to go get get ready to get some work done. But this was like really wonderful uh, spaces. I'm not going to lie. If you go back and listen to it, it was just me and Jared and a few like three people for the first five minutes. I was like, oh, it's, it's going back to the early days of Collector's Corner. But really appreciate everyone coming. Uh, I would, like this awesome. Like, yeah, I just think we can keep up the Marfa vibes by continue to have conversations. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, there's a share by Rosenbaum up there from Troy. Um, but man, I appreciate all of you. Uh, thanks for tuning in and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do this again soon. Thank you, everybody. It's good to go down this, uh, memory lane. Thank you for tuning into Collector's Corner. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen. If you like this episode and want to help us out, please subscribe and leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice like Apple Podcasts and Spotify and follow us on YouTube. Please also follow us on Twitter for announcements as we expand to other social and content platforms. Our Twitter handle is at collectors underscore XYZ. We'd also love to hear any feedback you have. So please comment or reach out. We're always striving to be more useful and get better so we can help you in your collecting journey. The Collector's Corner team and their guests are not registered investment advisors. All views expressed on this podcast are personal opinions and are not specific inducements to make particular investments or investment strategies and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. This show is solely for informational and entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, please consult a professional.